Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings. Ooh. All right, man. A favorite, a favorite film and book of mine. Do you remember your first exposure to J.R.R. Tolkien's fantasy masterpiece? Well, I read Hobbit, uh, uh, and it was awesome. It would have been middle school. Um uh, I, I I think I read it at school because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I wasn't doing. Was much. it assigned in a class or was this just no. oh, okay? Uh, you know, when you go to middle school, it's really your first opportunity to have like a, something that resembles a library. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Without oh, yeah. going to like the public library, and so uh, you know, listen, I'm a sucker for cool art, and 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 I was in the Dungeons and Dragons at the time, and so I'm looking through the book rack, and here it is, it pops out. I didn't, of course. Everyone had heard of this series of books, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, because they just, if you play D&D, you just knew about them, mm-hmm. you know, even if you had read them. And so I'm like, well, this, I'm going to give this thing a word. I was, I was a, I wouldn't say a huge reader, but I was a, I would read. And, uh, uh it was awesome. You know, I loved, like I said, I really, really loved The Hobbit. And then reading, the, reading the trilogy was a, uh, it was a combination of fun and a slog because it was so confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, everyone had ten names. Mm-hmm. There were fifty million characters expand over like a whole, you know, world. I remember reading this thing and just trying to maintain a figure out who, what am I reading here? What's happening? How many names does Strider have? Like ten names, you know? It, so they, it, would, it was confusing to me. I think I listened to it on tape at some point as well, uh, and then the films came out, of course, and I saw the films, you know, several times. And I think the films. Listen, I, I I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge of the trilogy like you do, I'll, and I'm the first to admit that. I I know you know you're really well versed in it, uh, but uh, as I would say, a layman uh, in the field, I you know I I thought the movies did a pretty good job of capturing, if anything, the feel of the books uh, and the. Uh, uh, and the characters of the books, for the most part, and I enjoyed the films a lot. I enjoyed the films more than the movies. Wait a uh, minute, of course, you enjoyed the films more than the movies. I more than the books. Excuse okay. me. You enjoyed uh, the films only, more than the books. Okay. Right, but mostly because uh, it uh, it was it was sort of simplified, I think, in a way. But I mean, it's just when you read a Tolkien, you he's so descriptive that you could see how this could have made a good film. I remember when I was reading it as a kid, I'm like, man. There's so much, there's so much in these books about the setup, the areas they're in, and just talk about stuff that's going on. You could see how they could easily sit down and just say, "Okay, here's what he said about this. Let's put that, send that to a guy to have him make it, and send, here's the scene we need." So when the movie came out and they did a good job, I wasn't that surprised. Now I know you're a huge book guy. I know you don't think that films are better than movies. I'm sure, but I mean, you were a, you like the you like the trilogy, right? Yeah, I mean, I I read it for the first time also in middle school. Very very similar 
to you in that I used to hang out a lot in the library because I was one of I was one of the cool guys. What can I say? Yeah, I was just as cool as you. <laughs> and uh, in between my sort of uh, forays into Judy Bloom and uh, other other, I read all yeah, her books. Um, every one. I uh, you know I picked up this book and it had a cool cover. Uh, it was a blue, and I actually I bought, I found it at a used bookstore, the exact same version that I have. It's the cheapest possible paperback you can imagine. It's fallen apart at the seams and stuff, but the cover art's very cool. It's in front of Moria with Gandalf, and he's tracing out the uh, the the door entrance and stuff. Yes, oh yes, very oh super famous book. Cover. Yeah. yeah, and I I read it, and again. Um, just like you, I was reading it, and I, I was like, boy, I'm getting through this thing, and I still am not sure what's going on. <laughs> but it was the first time that I'd ever read anything epic, uh, where it wasn't just, you know, working our way towards the the climax, and then here's the end of the book. This thing is like, it takes its time. Everything about it, Lord of the Rings takes its time. It unfurls slowly. And I remember it, yeah. I remember taking, this was when I learned the word, like, you're, you're quaffing a flagon of mead. And I used yeah. to I used to go down in the kitchen and I used to pour myself a mug of Ecto Cooler, and I would drink that thing and read Lord of the Rings and pretend like I was at the inn at Bree or at Rivendell or something like that. And yeah. like I said I was I was a, I was a cool guy in middle school. You know the funny thing is, Bo. Now, did you read the trilogy before you read uh, Hobbit? Yes, or after? I didn't read the Hobbit until. Oh man, it was like it was after the movies came out. Oh really? Yeah. See, I love the Hobbit. I loved it. I, that was my book. And I remember when I finished that book and started reading the trilogy, I was like, wait a minute. Where's the main guy from the other book? Mm-hmm. Well, he's hardly in this at all. Right. You know, and that was a real letdown. Sure, I can see that. And and the other, something about Hobbit was sort of a, it was almost like a lighthearted. I mean, it was serious, but it also is sort of amusing in yeah. some parts. And 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 the, the trilogy is a lot more uh, adult, mm-hmm. adultish. Does that make it? I don't mean dirty. I no. mean it was like more it, complex. Well, you know, the, the, the conventional wisdom is that, uh, you know, Tolkien wrote The Hobbit for his kids when the kids were small. And he was writing for the kids when the kids were older, you know. And yeah. the, the the story of the the publication of Lord of the Rings is fascinating because it was actually started before World War II, and it wasn't published until like 1951. So I mean, it was it had a production schedule like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah, it was I, I, I'm assuming that what the Hobbit was a major major hit. Oh yeah, the that was the yeah. only way that he could get Lord. Of course, you know his real goal was to not write Lord of the Rings at all. His real goal after writing The Hobbit was to write The Silmarillion, which is like right. the whole story. But the publishers were like, no, we can't we can't publish this. It's too it's too much. People can't handle it. And so he he sort of pared it down and fit it into the story of The Lord of the Rings and added a bunch of appendices and stuff like that. Uh, the Silmarillion wasn't actually published until 1978, well after Tolkien's death. And his son, Christopher, who I believe is still with us is in his 90s, uh, really has done a lot to uh, to go back and republish a lot of his notes. There's an eight-volume history of Middle-earth, which is all of the sketches and early versions of the books and stuff. I remember when those books came out, and I was really intimidated by them, although I thought they looked cool, and now they go for big bucks because they've been out of print for a long time. I've never read the really now. I'd say that's one I never read. I, I've, uh, really, I, I've read the trilogy in Hobbit, and that's it. I I've attempted the... You know, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. I've attempted the Silmarillion five or six different times, and I can't get through it. It's just... It's too dense. It's too dense. You know, as much as I loved uh, Lord of the Rings films, I thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was anxious to see The Hobbit made, and man, what a letdown, that, man! That, 
that you know, and I'm more familiar with that book too than I am the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And man, I knew when they, I knew I had a bad feeling before it was ever made. I was like, man, they're gonna botch this because that's a harder book to 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 keep true to, you know. If you're trying to stretch it out over three films, absolutely. If they if they had made because they had some of the parts there that could have made it good, mm-hmm. and 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 some of uh, if they condensed everything they made into one flick, it probably would be okay. You know, I wasn't super keen on some of the casting either. Uh, but uh, uh, that was a real bummer, and I'll have to say I've not even watched the the, the last film in that series. I, just, I was like, I can't handle it. It was all I could do to sit through it. I didn't see it in the theater. I, I, I no, uh, but no. uh, but when I even I when I when I rented it with Eep, you know, we would watch it, and I would just it was like torture because I could anyway. I could go on and on about why I think The Hobbit is is horrible. But when Peter Jackson comes out and says, "Yeah, I pretty much didn't care." <laughs> You know that it's 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 bad times. You know, it's too much to ask one man to do all that. Six Tolkien films? No, not that quick. Yeah, not on that turnaround. This guy's the only human. He had to have been burnt out. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Plus the and fact it made that it, it was at shotgun length. He had to do it. Yeah. And so not to so mention good. the fact that you know they they wanted Guillermo del Toro to to do it. He did sort of kind of part of it, and then they brought in Peter Jackson to clean up the mess. Peter Jackson, incredibly wealthy beyond measure, probably not caring yeah. as much about this. There's all kinds of reasons why this thing was a bad idea. But we're not here to talk about the Hobbit, Aaron. We're here to talk about Lord of the Rings. But before we get into Lord of the Rings, let's talk about what's new over at Everything Amiga. Very good. So we had one submission this week. They submitted, and it was from our good buddy, Harbonaut. Harbonaut. And this time, this is interesting to me. I looked this over. Uh, This is called Chase HQ Revisited. Now, you remember when we we, uh, did Chase HQ, and it was early on, you know. Right. Uh, And so uh, Harbonaut went back to mess around with it, and then he also... He was he was gonna fool with the 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 uh, the faces in here. Mm-hmm. But what, did you read this thing? I have not. I, I just this just popped up when I was uh when, when right before we started before I looked at it. So I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's definitely worth a look. Uh, it's funny. Uh, uh, <laughs> Arbor an interesting character. I I don't want to ruin it for you. There's some great pictures here. Just go go take a look at this over at everythingamiga.com. And we thank Harbonaut. Uh, for submitting this very interesting tale. You know, uh, uh, we love uh, getting some submissions over uh, Everything Amiga, so if you've got something you'd like to see uh, put up there, you just send us a note, you know, and uh, uh, we will, uh, we can make it happen, you know. We, We love that sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Aaron, let's switch over to our YouTube channel. Wow. All right, What new videos have come out lately here? Well, you know, uh, we did a few things uh, in the past week, but we should probably get into. So let's let me backtrack here to the last batch of stuff that we that we released here. So um, I believe you put up a a couple of have, have we went through all of your gun games? We did. We, went we did. All of them. I think the first uh, so, thing the first thing up here is uh, Pixels at Dawn, modder, yes. official moderator of the chat here on Twitch, and all around super awesome guy, chairman of the board. The Amigos Game Selection Committee. Chairman. Um, he is, uh, of course, Brutal Barracuda puts all these together. The, this is Pixels at Dawn's top ten most played Amiga games, and uh, this is quite the list. I had a look at this earlier. There's a lot of a lot of my favorites are on here. Of course, you got Pinball Dreams, you got Lemmings, you got uh, Elite. 
Uh, it's a very, very, very good list. Um, it's funny how Pin Pinball Dreams pops up on these things. And uh, despite the fact that it was the first one, but I mean, it was it had some great tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I do take issue with, with the that. settlers being number one. I I just I don't I don't get this one, Aaron. This one this one is not for me. But the rest of these games I wholeheartedly endorse. People, hey, people dig it, bro. Yeah. That's all you can say. Yeah. So let's talk about last week's uh, R. Sinclair. Okay. Uh, boat. Uh, we reviewed a very intriguing game, a new game just released last year called Drift. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a it's a drifting car game, uh, and man, where the hell did this thing come from, Boat? Holy smokes! I couldn't believe this thing. Graphically, this thing's off the freaking charts, yeah. man. I mean, you've never seen anything on the spectrum like this ever. Uh, uh, it, this blows minds. Now, in terms of gameplay, uh, uh, not to be cute, but your mileage may vary. Sure. Uh, depending if you are into drift racing or not, but <laughs> some people aren't, some people ain't. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this probably does a good job uh, of making a game out of drift racing, but I sucked at it. So for me, it was a game that I sucked at. But man, it's worth the admission just to just to check out the prettiness Absolutely. of it and the sound, which is also, by the way, off the charts. Boat, mm -hmm. great music on that sucker. Let's get into. Well, I guess I'm. I'll go ahead and uh, get into what I did here. Uh, I put out a video this week uh, under the sketchy tech, uh, which is uh, me uh, taking and building this new computer, which sits before me right now, and and just me. It's basically. Uh, an, an hour and a half of a doofus building a computer with a bunch of cool mod music playing behind me uh, with with bumpers at the front and the end uh, of talking about my adventures there. So it's something you can stick in the background and uh, ignore or listen to the tunes and just occasionally look up at the at the at the strategically shaved ape as I try to try to put this new computer together. It was I like fun. how you're precariously uh, balancing that board as you screw in the uh, the, the fan on the processor. <laughs> Oh yeah, only the bell. Yes, boat. You know how you know my methods. Hey, you inspired the name of that show. I, Since you badmouthed my techery so much, I thought you know I'm just gonna embrace boat's uh, pathetic slur. I love it. I'm just gonna jump in there and do it. Um, now, boat, you released a, a, what I would what I would say is a hilarious yet painful stream this week of you trying to attempt to play this week's game, Lord of the Rings. And then uh, at, the, at about the 45-minute mark, uh, I don't want to ruin the fun, but things go a little south, so you switch over to the Super Nintendo version. Right. Now, it's funny because you know I switch over to the Super Nintendo version. The Super Nintendo version of this game, also horrible. So, uh, <laughs> so there you go. So uh, I actually went back to the uh, to the the Spectrum or not the Spectrum the Amiga version and um, and we're going to get into my thoughts on the on the game but there was something that I discovered that made this game a little bit more playable that was uh, towards the end of the video so we'll talk about that here in a second but if you are in the mood to watch me play this for the very first time make sure you check that out. Did you uh, uh, now the the Super Nintendo version is not the exact same game. It's not even close. It's a totally right. different That's, game. Yeah. I watched. I watched. I was like, this doesn't seem anything to do with the one we played. Um, let's move on to what we did last week on a uh, twelve hundred XL. Okay. Uh, a little kangaroo. That's action, right. A uh, boatster. Uh, we went through the uh, amusing tale of how kangaroo actually got a, a release on the Atari eight bit through Atari's, uh, uh, basically, <laughs> Atari's, like, public publisher. Yeah. They didn't even go through an actual publisher, and it was <laughs> with hilarious reasoning. They, they, we actually 
got the uh, quote the actual uh, uh, programmer to tell us what exactly happened mm-hmm. uh, when he actually finished this game for the 5200. So that's worth a look. And we played some Kangaroo too. Hey, Kangaroo's a good time. A fantastic time. Last thing on the on the docket here, Boatster, uh, the ever popular Amigos unboxing. This time out, our good buddy Graham W. Webke sent us some lovely uh, uh, stuff from Australia. In fact, I uh, I just received this from you yesterday, mm-hmm. the, my, my course of the of stash, and uh, the family went to work, descended on it like piranha or vultures <laughs> when that game in the house, and we ate the crap out of it. It was great. So thank you, Graham, very much. And if you are if you're down with watching the Amigos chow down <laughs> and eat a bunch of crazy candy and stuff, that's what you actually we didn't get to eat anything at the time, but you can see us open it up. I will say I did not shoot footage of me eating it yesterday and today, but I did. <laughs> I like thanks. watching you wring your hands in in stereo on the video and in real life. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, it's funny because I was just look. This is how this is how weird this is, Boat. Okay, I want to I want to go somewhere here. So. You've got our video from last week up on the screen, mm-hmm. okay? So I've been, I was reading some other stuff uh, to uh, talk about the YouTube stuff. I came back and I saw us on the screen, and I kept looking at myself, and I'm like, man, what am I doing? How long ago was this video? And I didn't realize it was last week's video. And I looked <laughs> up to the side. There's a, there's me. I'm like, oh man, I'm an idiot. So yeah, this is all confusing when you're not sitting right here beside me. It's very, it's very confusing. I agree. Too. I agree. Well, I'll tell you what's not confusing, Aaron. The Gamble Train. He's large, he's in charge, and he's ready to deliver this week's Amiga News. Oh, God. Okay, what's he got this week? All right, Aaron. This week, we're going to start off with, uh, of course, uh, a uh, a video not directly Amiga-related, but from one of our dear members of the Amigos uh, Discord community, the Macintosh librarian, a.k.a. Kate Fox. Yes. Uh, she's here with a new video starring everybody's favorite anthropomorphic Classic He's Macintosh. That's a really yeah. hard word to say. It is. You should never you should never attempt it. Mackie. Mackie is back. It's like what was that guy on uh the, the half moon that was the McDonald's star? Mac tonight. Mac tonight. Just like that. Not really. So anyway, Kate's back. She's talking about number munchers this week, Aaron. Did you ever play number munchers? It's funny you should mention that, Boaster. Uh, we actually reviewed this on ARG Presents during Edutainment Week. Uh, this was one that we looked at. I, uh, I don't remember what format. This was Brent's game. I think he looked at the PC version, but I can't be sure. So we actually, not only did we have a cup of coffee with this, we played quite a bit of it. So when I saw she was doing it, I was like, oh boy. So yeah, I, uh, this is actually a pretty fun game uh, for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a good time. But I will say, once you get to the higher levels of it, it it is brutal. Mm. brutal. I want to meet the man that can go through this game at the higher levels. It's super hard, but it was fun. We had a good we had a good time with it. And of course, Kate did a great job. She's got a lot. She's got a lot of. Uh, uh, she's that, that's, these videos are very clever. Yes, absolutely. She, uh, she, I, I really dig them. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, uh, next up in the world, back into the world of the Amiga. We've got 10 Mark. Our buddy Doug is going over 15 kilohertz uh, LCD monitors for the Amiga. Now, I didn't even know that they made uh, uh, LCD monitors that ran on, on this frequency. Had you heard of this before, Aaron? I don't think I even bothered to think about it, to be honest with you. It just it never really occurred to me. So no, I guess not. Um, what I, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched this, but this is, I guess, if you wanna go directly from 
a an Amiga like 500 or a 1000 without a or not a 1000 but a um I don't where why would you need this Aaron Well I have I'll be honest with you I had not this popped out since before I've got that's why I've got to see it. I usually mm-hmm. watch Doug stuff right away but I missed this it was like past me uh, However uh, one would assume that what he's done here is gone from the Amiga's uh, uh, display port to a VGA monitor, and it and this thing could sink down to handle it. Right. Uh, so that's what you would need it for. Because I remember, I guess you know, before when we had when I had the original House Five Hundred, that's this is what that GBS eighty two hundred board did, right? Because oh, it was man. it was an arcade board. It was designed so, to hook up an arcade board think, to. What I would wager he's done here, okay, and again, I haven't watched this yet. Is taking the uh, a cable that goes from the has on one end goes into the display port on the Amiga and the other end is a VGA port. There is no in between. Right, exactly. And he's yeah, this is a review of a VGA monitor that actually can sync down to 15 kilohertz. It's funny. I never thought about this, but now that we, I, I've got a as I look around me here, just within arm shot, I've got like six LCD monitors, and they're all ancient. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, me. I wonder if I could have done this because now I've got this. Uh, uh, Gosh, I've got several Skype or Skype uh, Scart, and uh, this uh, some of the stuff Rushi sent over. It's some crazy other stuff I've got to get the Amiga kicked out. So it's not that tough now, but I mean at the time, man, I would have loved to have had this, and I, I probably could have went down to the surplus store and found a monitor just like that and used it. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty good, Doug. I give you credit. I gotta watch this as soon as it shows over. Yeah, he's come up with a you know quite a few cool concepts. You know, last week was the USB on the Amiga, so I really like more of these uh, kind of esoteric. Uh, why do it? Why not? Type videos. Also, like that baby right there. Uh, who doesn't like a good baby? Mm. Let's talk about what Abiga Bill's been up to on Twitch lately, Aaron. Um, what has he been up to, Boat? I haven't seen much of the Billster. What's he been doing? Well, this is pretty awesome. What he has done is he's taken a so- an old Sony broadcasting camera. They call it a tube cam. And All he right. has, this is an entirely analog screen. So he's got he's got the tube camera set up, and I'm trying to find a uh, a picture of it here. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to. But he's he's got a an old school camera set up that's videoing him through an analog input. I think he's running that analog input somehow through an Amiga back into Twitch. Everything is on original hardware this week. So pretty incredible. Pretty awesome stuff, um, you know. Amiga Bell, he of course he's a, uh, a cinematographer by trade, so he's he's just got uh, tons and tons of old school equipment laying around. He always manages to inject some creativity into his streams, and I really that, enjoy that. That's correct. I, I never would have even I would have thought to do that. To be honest, much like much like Doug's thing. It's like he's. These guys are thinking outside the box. Yeah. I give them credit. Big time. Absolutely. So check that out. And in related news, Aaron, Amiga Bill has launched his Patreon uh, uh, service. So if you are a uh, if you are a consumer of Amiga Bill streams and his other content through the Guru Meditation, consider joining up with him. Uh, he's got some cool rewards, uh, including some custom desktop wallpapers that he's putting together. So I uh, always like to uh, promote Amiga Bill and his stuff because he's one of the all-time nicest guys. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. And uh, uh, I think he'll do very well. Uh, he he really he came through and uh, shot uh, came on our uh, marathon last year, which which was awesome. And he's we we love Bill. He pops in the chat occasionally. He they the, the guru they've been around for a while. They I think they came. He's been on the scene forever, but I think the guru started right around the same time we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that that's great stuff. So yeah, all, uh, 
I hope he does very well. I'm sure he'll do great. Cause, and his content's off the charts. Absolutely. Really good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next up, the Retro Hour this week. Huge week for the Retro Hour yeah. and the Amiga. R.J. Michael, the creator of, uh, I believe that is Intuition, is what it's called. We always refer to it as Workbench, even though that's technically not correct. Um, right. But uh, he is interviewed on the Retro Hour. This just came out, so I have not had a chance yeah, to listen to this yet. This, yeah. But apparently him and Dan, old buddies, so uh, I'm sure he's a good guest to have. I know it was rumored that he was going to come to Amiga Ireland. He wasn't able to make the trip. So if you were looking to get some uh, inside stories of the creation of not only the Amiga, but also the Atari Lynx and the 3DO, he started yeah. his career at Williams. Man, this guy's done it all. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, it's funny because... The Lynx and the 3DO were both considered ahead of their time mm-hmm. uh, when they appeared, as was the Amiga, mm-hmm. of course, and uh, all sort of met similar fates. Right. I mean, they never, really, all three of those uh, things never really reached the potential that the, that they were destined for. Yeah. And, and it's no fault of the engineers, the people that worked on them. It's just mostly marketing and... Uh, and the, the, the guys and, at the and, top, and, and, management. And it's funny. You can blame Atari, and you can blame Commodore, and you can also blame EA. Right. You can, those are the three. three <laughs> you can pick out three people that screwed those systems right there. Absolutely. So anyway, that's this week's retro hour. I can't wait to hear that one. That one looks great. And finally, this popped up. If you are looking for another kind of something to put on while you're going about your business, watching somebody take apart an old Amiga, uh, Miss Mad Lemon has just released this. This is a disassemble and exploration of an Amiga 1200. And uh, this is your classic, you know, let's take this thing apart. I don't know what's in here. It looks like a lot of weird, jacked up stuff. Let's see what's going on. So I always enjoy one of the watching these videos from time to time. And, uh, of course, Ms. Madeline, a major player in the Amiga community. She uh, uh, very has a nice style, very laid back. She's got the tea. She's got the... Uh, uh, She's got the nice tablecloths and stuff. She does this stuff on. She's always, everything's nice and, and polite. I, I, it's fun to watch her stuff because she's not in a hurry. And she, uh, uh, you know, I would never do this uh, on camera. And I would never do it uh, uh, just for fun. <laughs> I did it for so many years. Boy, these just like, man, I can't imagine. But I mean, it's fun to watch someone else do it because that way you they've got to put it back together and make it yeah, work. Yeah, and if they to. mess it up, it's not your fault. So That's right. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this week's Amiga News. The gamble train is pulling back out of the station, off into the sunset. The lonesome whale disappears. Let's talk, Aaron, about Lord of the Rings. Let's get into it, Boat. Now, I know neither one... Now, uh, I was getting ready to say that neither one of us had played this before, but I know from watching your video, you actually had played this, right? I mean, sort of? Yes, I have a story. You want to go ahead and... Let's hear it. I have a story. It's very rare that I have a story about any of these games. Um, When I was in high school uh, and I started playing Magic... Magic the Gathering, the real magic. None of that, you know, ball and cup that stuff. That comes up again. Okay. This comes up again. Okay. So it was called Street Corner Comics, okay? It was down by the Pizza Hut and that sort of depression down there. You know what I'm talking I love, about? I love that place. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after a couple of years, uh, the guy that ran Street Corner 
I think his name was Steve. That might not be true. Um, yeah. Chad would know if he's still if he's still in the chat because uh, Chad was right there with me. I'm actually glad Chad's here because uh, he he was there with me throughout all this. Uh, there were these guys. Rick, thank you. See real time follow up from Chad in the chat. Uh, Rick sold uh, Street Corner, and these two other guys, his friends, bought it. Okay. Yeah. And these guys were not cool guys. The first thing they started to do was just start smoking 24-7 in the store. Because this was in the 90s, and you can still get away with that sort of thing. That's that's good for your merch when you do that. <laughs> right. Get it all seasoned. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like a fine steak. So uh, apparently these guys' names were Matt and Mike. So uh, anyway, they would play movies, like really movies that I was not into, like Dust Till Dawn. Do you remember that movie, Aaron? Oh yeah, that yeah. movie is not. The first half of that movie is great. That movie is not what you call a boat-approved movie. No, so, <laughs> no. So oh, I no. I didn't want to hang out in there anymore. But one of the things that they did when um was that they they basically brought all their crap from their house and put it out for sale. Okay, and a lot of this stuff was pretty cheap. And uh, two of the things that they had they had a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff. Okay. And uh, one of the things they had was a um, a Lord of the Rings role playing book. Okay, so I bought that. And an, yeah, and another thing that they had was this Lord of the Rings PC game. And I looked at the system requirements, and I was like, "Yes, I can play this." Uh, because I had a at the time I had a, you know an old even when it was new, it wasn't a great computer. Yeah. So anyway, I brought this thing home. And I open it up, and I'm greeted with the game as you see it before you. I played this thing for probably 10 minutes, and I was like, well, that was a waste of money. Because uh, there were no returns at the old Street Corner comics. You know how that goes. Especially something like that. Yeah. You're not going to get the return there. Yeah. Uh, and so I put this away for several years until uh, when I was a senior, I purchased a Macintosh Plus computer. Okay? And, uh, I'd, uh, and I thought, man, I need some games for this thing. I'm going to uh, just just write some write some discs from the PC on, and the Mac will be able to read them. No problem. You know, I had no idea. So I was like, but I didn't know that the Mac had a special drive. It was those 880K discs. Um, yeah. And I was like, and so I'm tearing apart my house looking for some, some what are they? Are those like single density? Is that the name for those? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so anyway, the only discs that I can find are the Lord of the Rings discs. They're written on 880K floppies. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, with little to no regard of the uh, to the game, I wrote over those bad boys with some files on the internet. I stuck them in the Mac, and of course the Mac did not accept them. So uh, I ruined the discs and was unable to do anything with my Mac. It was a glorious time. Well done. And now I'm guessing you didn't keep the uh, remnants of this box. Right in the trash. Right in the did trash. Did you, uh, did you, see this is different between me and you, Boat. Did you, uh, did it have the manual, the, the maps, all of the, the Kucher Mall? You know, I don't, I can't recall. I think that it must have. Um, but it is, it is sort of weird that I would have thrown it all away. But at the same time, it's not. When I went to college, there was sort of a purging. That's when I got rid of what, and it might have even been one of those yard sale things where my mom put stuff out. She might have said, "Do you want this?" And I said, "No." I had a Franklin Ace one thousand uh, or two thousand, oh, just like just like you're kidding me, just like Flack. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I liberated it from the Hurricane High School band room. I don't know why oh, I was in there. Uh, what the heck was it doing in I there? I don't know. Uh, I had a C sixty four. All that stuff went away. The only thing that survived the purge was my Mac Plus and my twelve hundred XL. So, what, 
when you say went away, do you mean gave away, sold? Like or I said, w- in the no, garbage? no. When I was in college, my mom would call me from time to time and say, "Hey, I'm having a yard sale. Do you want a this?" And, and, and of course, when I was in college, I had other priorities. Uh, so, um, so. But she sold it all. Yeah, yeah. She probably sold well, it for least, twenty-five cents. You know. And, I was just wondering if she if she had gotten it sold or not. So that's something that still sucks. But I mean, who knew then? Listen, I threw out stuff in that purge where I had to get rid of the old outbuilding. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of old PC crap, because I thought to myself, eh, no one's going to give a crap about old PC crap. It's old PC crap. No one plays old PCs. They were the, they suck. Mm-hmm. Well, little did I know. All that stuff's coming back. motherboards and stuff now. They're go- it's ludicrous, yeah. man. I couldn't believe it. I was sitting on a freaking fortune boat. Eh, what are you going to do? You know, Sometimes you get lucky. That's right. That's an interesting tale, boat. That sounds, every bit of that sounded like boat. Yes. <laughs> So you haven't changed a bit. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I'll take the incredibly goofy plunge. Bam. You did it. You didn't think twice about it. So I had not played this. I shouldn't. I, so I, I'll be the, this week. I'm the one. I guess Roy, technically, you didn't either. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I gave it. A, I gave it. A, you owned yeah, it. You just didn't I did not it. play it. So uh, this came out. This is officially titled Lord of the Rings Volume 1. All right. Um, came out in 91 boat. Three discs. Uh, and was published uh, by Interplay. The version I had was published by Interplay, but apparently also uh, Electronic Arts were involved in the publishing of this. Um, and developed by Silicon and Synapse. Uh, we've actually covered one of their other games. They really only did one other thing on the Amiga that was Lost Vikings. But you remember Lost Vikings? Well, you know what Sin- Silicon and Synapse turned into? I don't. Uh, was it Blizzard? Yeah, they turned into Blizzard. Yeah, that's right, so, because yeah. I remember that from... from, from uh, Lost Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, this game is one of your classic uh, uh, multilingual <clears throat> specials where you actually get in the meat of the game. It, they made it pretty easy for themselves to to kind of uh, go in between uh, countries because it's one of those games that have most of it, most of the pertinent controls and whatnot are in pictures. Well, you know, you say that, but there's tons of text, too. And you wonder wonder why they just couldn't have put the text in the menu, too. Would it have been that hard? Listen, I'm right there with you on that. I thought the exact same thing. But, I mean, we've got those... In fact, uh, 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 both of us who look at this, the same thing. You you don't get proper... You don't get anything... There's no tool tips, that's for sure. No, 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 they don't give a crap about you. Uh, This is an ECS-OCS joint. Uh, no problem there. Now, this got converted, vote. Now, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, this had releases on, on one of my favorites, the FM Towns Marty slash FM Towns. It's always a party on the FM Towns Marty. And on the PC. And I actually have the PC hooked up right here. I fired this thing up, and I played it on the PC and the Amiga and the emulator, the triple wow. this week, Bo. Wow, the trifecta. That's right, buddy. So... This was originally designed to be on the C64, but since the C64 had lost a lot of steam in 91, apparently they, they just didn't release it. Go figure. Uh, so there you go there. So, um, what is this game? Well, um, this is a... You you are uh, leading the gang of hobbits to, to get rid of the ring in Mordor. That's the game. It's just like the books, man. Uh, it's got a uh, so it's a RPG style game. Um, the it's got an interesting interface uh, where you can use the mouse to kind of tell your party where to go 
that kind of, uh, what would you say, sort of like a Diablo did the same sort of thing? Yeah, cl- you know, cl- it's, it's click to move. Is which it, no, it's no, it's good. no good. I hate that. Use the keyboard. Um, the uh, uh, the uh, the basis of what you can do in a game. This is another one of these weird games, boat. Not to jump ahead, but where you can, it's got your standard buttons that you that you know pick up, put down, fight, that sort of stuff. Talk, and then it also gets to a point where you can actually type in like it's a text game. Yeah. Uh, another one of these weird games. And I didn't realize there were so many of these things, Boat, that were like that. Here's another one that comes up. W- were you surprised when that became an option? I was. I, I, I couldn't well, believe it. B- I was like, back in the day, <laughs> I never... Uh... I never, I never played a game that had both. It was either one or the other. It was either like you know, King's Quest One, which was all text, or Maniac Mansion, which was all point. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's it seems to be, it seems like that's a horrible idea. <laughs> it seems like you're making things too too confusing when you do that. You know, part of me likes that, and the re, uh, much like little computer people last week, we did the same thing. Um, part of me thinks that's amusing, and the reason that th- I think it's amusing is because it does add a. Uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't stretch the legs in this parser to see what all I could do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I do like the idea that you can, that the possibility exists for you to ask a bunch of crazy questions and get out. There, they could potentially stick a lot of information in there, and it also is sort of a wild card, you know, in the game. But I, on the flip side, you get these games now that have like. Uh, dialogue trees you know where you just click it's a lot easier exactly (laughs) it's one of those things where at what point does the ability to be creative lead to frustration because if you've got a really kick butt parser that can pick up on all the what things you might want to ask then that's cool but if if you're if if it's like ultima 6 or ultima 5 or whatever we did where it's narrowed down to this very very specific set of words that don't quite you know, it's just like, why bother typing job and not just have a button that says job, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, so, but the, this is this game has a lot. It's funny, this game sort of has its feet in two different uh, two different times, almost. A three, really, because you've got the, like you said, there's a lot of proper text in the game that gives you some instruction. So that's sort of a modern thing. Then you've got the sort of no text button situation with the interface. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the the text parser where you go. So it's almost like three different weird things put together. Right. Very unusual. Um, so when you play this game, you get a you get a, a nice intro where uh, Gandalf comes in and explains the ring. Frodo gets the whole situation down, and then uh, uh, there's music and there's it's it's not animated except for like that's well, I think there's one scene where Gandalf chucks the ring in the fire and it's sort of an animated hand. It's definitely you know at this point we should talk about the enhanced PC version, which I don't know if you played or not, but they actually take I didn't play the they actually one, take no. clips from the animated uh, Lord of the Rings film and put yeah. those in. Much more impressive than the beginning of this. I saw yeah. that. I'd forgotten how well animated that was too, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, the voices in it are good. I, actually, I'm a big fan of those uh, old. The old Lord of the Rings cartoons. I remember watching those as a kid and getting the crap scared out of me. The one with the Hobbit is real scary. It scared out. You know, I was like, man, this is these trolls are going to eat this sucker. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. I did. I did see. Although it looked like the game was pretty much unchanged with the uh, yeah. I once you once the, you start playing opening. the game proper, yeah. aside from music and stuff like that, there's nothing different. I played this on the PC and it is identical, except it looks better. And sounds worse. So that's like <laughs> there yeah. you go. It's it's but it does have uh, like ad lib sound or whatever mm-hmm. or sound by sound. So 
uh, once Gandalf gives you the shtick, he basically says, listen, if you, I, I assume some of you have read Lord of the Rings books or seen the films, uh, the plot of this is, this: there's a ring, these hobbits have to get it back to uh, burn in the fires of Mordor, uh, because this ring will uh, is the ultimate door to power. This guy wants that he's coming for it. All right, that's the that's the super yeah. abbreviated version. Uh, so you've got your uh, you get your little buddy hobbits. Hobbits, these little tiny, almost like a uh, halfling type guys, uh, and the and you've got to get your crew to to Mordor. That's the goal. Now, I, to be honest with you, boat, I don't know how. I don't. I'm assuming this doesn't. This only goes. I didn't play to the end of this. Obviously, I didn't. You're not even close. So I don't know how close to Mordor you get in this. I don't think you actually get to Mordor in this. Do you know when this ends? Or off top the head, off your head? I want to say that I, it ends at Rivendell. I, there is a guy, the it? guy that we're watching right now. We're watching a guy play the PC version, obviously, because this is a bunch yeah. of clips from the from the movie. Um, there are no there are no playthroughs on the Amiga. No, I couldn't find no. any. Uh, I've seen people play for about ten minutes. It ends after Moria. Hey. Pixels at Dawn oh, says. Um, but uh, but yeah, it doesn't. You definitely don't get all the way to Mordor. And the funny thing is, they didn't release a volume two on the on the Amiga, which we'll get to that in a little bit. So you start off in uh, Hobbit, and then you you're right in front of Bilbo's front door, and you are uh, and they've let you go. There, that's where you start. Uh, there's a, your cursor on the screen is a little pointer, uh, and you can click on a part of the screen, and whichever way that guy's that thing's pointing, that's where your guys are going to head that way. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a it's not what I would call. Uh, it's not the best in terms of using your mouse to move. Well, guys again, around. this 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 comes from a period. Well, really, if we're talking about 1991, the mouse was was established. Oh, the mouse was still kind of maybe not established for everybody yet. And I know that at least with the Mac, like looking at Mac games, it was a big thing to have mouse only control. And um, yeah. it, it not giving people an option to use the cursor keys was a real mistake. I don't mind having this as an option, but negotiating a game like this with cursor keys is much preferable for sure. You know, it's funny. I played this. On, I played on the Amiga on my twelve hundred, and I played on Amiga, and I don't. I don't ever even trying to use the arrow oh, keys. Oh, I did. And and on the PC, I used the arrow keys, and they worked great. Yeah. Because I didn't like that. Because my mouse didn't work that well in DOS. <laughs> so, anyway. Start off at the village, and it let it turns you loose, and you've got some sort of loose instructions from Gandalf that said, that tell you what to do: get out of town, head out. Uh, when you bought the game, it came with maps up, which I didn't have. Now, one thing I knew for sure on this one boat, I didn't even try to play this without the docks and crap. That was not going to fly, so I went and looked them up because you have to know this is one of these games where you've got to have the maps. Mm -hmm. If you don't have maps, you're boned, right? right. <laughs> tell the people what happened to you on your first run through. Well. What you've got here is you've got a a you're in Hobbiton, you know, in the Shire, yeah. and you are not. Uh, this is not your typical role playing game town where everything is very compact and you can easily see everything before you before you leave. This thing is a scale model of actual Hobbiton. It's a very yeah. large, expansive area with vast uh, screens where nothing is going on. Yes. Um, you are supplied with a map in the instruction book that is essential. And uh, part of the problem with Lord of the Rings, the game, is that uh, they don't give you enough instruction at the outset. Even with the, with the manual, what you have is not necessarily like you're supposed to be completing the events in the movie. 
you're this is an open world game this is an open world game where you can literally go anywhere and do anything and there are tons and tons and tons of quests that you can complete that give you you know better stuff that you can use to 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 progress further if i would have known that going in i would have had a much different experience with this game because if you start to think about it that way then you're like okay i'm going to take my time and talk to people and do all kinds of okay think about the book all right when frodo leaves the shire he doesn't wander through the main street talking to people he's trying to get out of town without anybody noticing yeah okay he doesn't help people with kids right he doesn't look for a dog right he doesn't look for pieces of stuff he's getting the heck out of there because he knows bad things are coming exactly and so you can't play this game thinking that you're just going to follow the events of the movie and they should have made that more clear from the get-go yeah Uh, um this game is extremely, extremely large. Um, the amount that the amount of, of, of traversal that you do is extensive, and um, it would have been really handy to have a mapping feature. Uh, that would have been really nice. Um, yeah, it would. Or just, it'd, been, it'd been huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it would have been nice to have uh, just some way to be able to track what you're supposed to be doing and who you've talked to. And a lot of these things came later on. The thing is though, whenever you try and implement all of these, um, forward thinking gameplay elements and you don't have things like that to back them up, the game is aged extremely poorly. Um, I can imagine that if you are inclined, back in the day, if you were inclined, like if you'd already completed Ultima and all of that stuff and you were really into the role-playing scene and you were used to spending massive amounts of time in games just to figure them out, then this probably would have been right up your alley. But even then, there are a lot of things that they, they don't have. For example, in combat, you, you go forever in this game without running into an enemy. I mean, it's not because you've got to get out of town. Mm, Not really. It depends on what you do. I'll give you an example. And you you nailed it. First of all, you're dead on this. This is very similar to Ultima, except that I think this is a little more approachable than Ultima uh, uh, because of uh, they've modernized some things. Uh, When you I watched your video after I had tried this the first time, Mm -hmm. okay, and. I did. You did very similar to what I did. The only thing I did different was I. I did recruit my buddies. You know, I went, but yeah, the, but the I, second time I went back, you probably didn't watch that far. But my second playthrough, I did a lot of the things that I should yeah. have. Yeah, the first. I'm talking yeah. first, and you headed to the ferry. I did. I was exactly what I did. Well, I didn't get it. And what you said is exactly what this is. This game, you don't have to be in a big hurry, as uh, you uh, because you really don't want to leave the Shire until you've got some stuff, mm-hmm. like. I went out, went out in the woods. Uh, the second time I played it, there was a lady who'd lost her son had fallen in a cave, and I, I confronted wolves. This is I was probably five ten minutes in the game when I fought my first wolf. Well, the wolf ate my whole party. Oh wow! Because I because the hobbits can't do jack squat for damage. Right? They're they're punching it. Right. You know they got nothing. Well, I had to go back. I was like, man, what am I doing here? Why do I got suck? Man, I know the hobbits aren't ninjas, but come on. Well, it's because I, when you're in Hobbiton, there's stuff there to go get. Mm-hmm. You go, but you don't, like, I was like you. I was like, okay, he's outside the house. He's got his buddies. They're gone. Wrong. You're, he doesn't have his buddies. He doesn't have jack squat. He didn't have any rage. He didn't have nothing. You got to go back in the house. You got to get stuff. You've got to go all over the village and get stuff. And, and while you're there, all of a sudden people are saying, hey, can you go do this? Can you go do that? 
there's this guy drinking over at the end. Go talk to him, you know. Mm -hmm. You could spend a good amount of time just messing around in the village before you even leave Hobbiton. And as far as I could tell, there was no... There was no uh, nothing to kiss, expedite you out yeah, the door. Yeah, this is I mean, your I, classic, your classic role playing trope, where it's like the world is in peril. You've got to go fight the evil, but first do these fifteen side quests about various types of fruits. You know, I, I don't think you have to do them, but the, the, I mean, listen, just from my experience, and I'm not, I didn't get super far into this game because I spent a lot of time milling around town. I got a. You know, I got to the ferry. I went across the bridge. I met up with. I went to the Prancy Pony. Hold on, yards. But I didn't go. I didn't get to any of the awesome stuff like from the books. But I did do a lot of. Uh, you know, go to this cave. Go find this guy at the bar. Go look. Go pick the lock on this trunk. You know, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That that doesn't that doesn't seem like it's in uh, line with the spirit of the book or the film where you're getting the heck out of town because there's going to be some stuff there to come kill right. you. Now, and I will say, nothing ever came to kill me. You know, I got the, killed well, by The only thing that can guy. kill you, and the reason why my game crashed, because when you when this game ends, it just goes back to Workbench, which awesome, by the way, um, was that uh, if you don't give the key to Lobelia at the beginning of the game, I because I, the first time I played, I was trying to be sneaky and I didn't take any of the main roads, but she'll catch up with you before you leave. And if you don't give her the key right off the bat, she'll take the, the sheriff comes out and then the game's over. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, um, you know, it's funny. Your video made me stop playing this on the Amiga and go to the emulator because I could do save states. Because I, I thought to myself, I'm not going to sit here and devote because this isn't a game where you just hop back in and go. No. Like it's it it's a slog, and I'm like I'm not gonna devote I'm not gonna get to a point where I've devoted an hour to this and then it's, it's crashed. Mm -hmm. Screw that. So I, I and so I started saving it early and often. It's funny. Um, the game looks okay. I would say uh, it sounds okay. I mean, again, these are I don't think the game's anything to write home about graphically or you know audio wise. Uh, but having played this on the, the PC as well. The PC version of this runs so much faster, and that's one thing. Uh, you get around a well, lot quicker. Well, here's the thing. Here, so, it runs really slow on the Amiga, even on 1200. Here's what I discovered. This game, I was trying to click to move, and that's not the way to go. The way, you hold the, the mouse. You got to yeah. hold the mouse button down. Yeah. It took me forever to figure that out. Um, I yeah. didn't realize that, and so if, you're, if you want to try this out, just please keep that in mind to save yourself frustration. Yeah. The, well, the PC version also lets you use the keyboard. Would, the funny thing is, good luck going diagonal in either version. <laughs> you know, that is... And how do they... they it's, the controls on this are not good. No. Let's just... We can agree with that, yeah. right, Boat? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the controls aren't, aren't good. I did skip ahead. I did find a fellow who had played well ahead of where I was. He'd assembled a large party... You know, so when you, we should talk about how combat works and and that sort of thing. It's kind of interesting. Uh, it's very, it's sort of brain dead simple, isn't it? But yeah, you you've got your adversary, you and it, you take turns for whoever's in your party. You hit the sword button; it'll give you the choice of the attacks that are available, and then he they go they do the attack. There there's a hit point bar sort of on the side that tells you how much more damage you have to, you're going to deal to kill somebody and how much you can take. And uh, uh, it, uh, 
It's it's okay. It's serviceable. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was okay. Yeah, I would have liked. It's not exciting. I, that's for sure. I would have liked to have seen more statistics. You know, like I want to know what I'm hitting for and all that kind of thing because it's a role playing game. But uh, yeah, it's serviceable. Uh, this you know, this game it, gives you a lot special. of it gives you a lot of freedom and how you want to create you know, with your party as far as like who's the leader and things like that. Yeah. So uh, and I'm sure that a lot of that kind of thing plays out later on in the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, the combat is, is, like you said, it's brain dead simple. You know, I noticed that when you were playing, and I don't know if you ever found the cause of this, but when you were playing it, the messages that would pop up would instantly go well, away. Well, if you hold down the mouse button and you run into one of those and you let go of it, it, it will stay. Um, but uh, if you're click, if you're going click, 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 then that click registers the thing coming up and going down. Because I was going to say yeah. that didn't happen to me. And I, could, I was like, what are you was doing? But that's what that, it was just the way you were in the Exactly. Button. The, the the fact that that can happen though is no good. Right, they, no good. You know, they should be a, a close X on the on the uh, statement because those statements are often quite important in terms of location or, or what monsters you hear Absolutely. near you or flavor text. That's it's the only thing the, that moves the game forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess to boil this thing down a little bit, like Boat said, they, they the guys that that made this game. They put down, they didn't screw around, they didn't skimp on this world. This is a very Ultima-like, huge world. It's huge, all right? It takes you forever to get anywhere, all right? But it's a huge world. That's the way they used to make them back in the day, the, like the Ultima style. If that is your cup of tea, and you like little, the side quests and stuff, you should be happy with the game if you can get past the movement and the interface. If you're into Lord of the Rings, actually I thought the way they delivered... The actual plot was pretty good. The stuff that I saw, I liked. Uh, you know, so I thought uh, it seemed pretty faithful. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's part. faithful aside, side yeah, quest, minus uh, like yeah. most of the stuff that you do, at least in the early game, is you. It, it just with a plot as rich as the plot of Lord of the Rings, it make it. I wonder why they had you doing all that sort of like dumb stuff at the beginning, like with the lost kid and stuff like that. Like why pat out the most boring part of Lord of the Rings where you're just, you know, bebopping around the Shire. You can jump right in and be evading the Black Riders and doing all this different stuff. And then when you get to Bree, maybe that's when you decide, that's when they give you the option to buy gear and stuff like that. I think they could have made this really cool by turning this into a thing where you have to evade other people as you leave the Shire. You know, it can teach you some of the mechanics. The, you know, this is definitely before where they used to introduce one mechanic at a time, you know, to kind of teach you how the game is supposed to be played. But that would have been a, yeah. a good way to kind of learn the ropes, you know, as you leave. They absolutely don't hold your hand, that's for sure, on this. You know, I looked at it from a, I looked at it from a different perspective, Boat. And and that was... and I, now I, this, uh, what, what is it they say? My, my thoughts on this game... Uh, mature or whatever over time. If you look at this game, sort of like an EverQuest or something, which that's, when it comes to these sorts of games, that's the game I'm used to. You know, When you look at this game, like, you're in no hurry, the main mission's going to be there when you get done, and you just go out and try to, and just go out and fool around and, and explore and look for side quests and stuff. There's something to be done. There's some fun to be had there. But you have to sort of turn off your brain to the overall plot of the of the books. That where if you if you went out to see if little Jimmy fell down the well, one of the wraith riders are gonna come and stick a sword up your hind, you know, right quick. Uh, but if you ignore that, I think that I kind of like the side quest. I would assume that the side quests continue all the way through the game. Although it's it's I find it hard to believe that you'd be in like, 
Mori or something in this cycle. <laughs> I don't know what you could possibly be doing. Find the lost dwarf's gold or something. I bet, I bet I mean, that's I something. I guarantee you. Do you, do you think they... <laughs> that would be something, I'd say. But, I mean, overall, I mean, did you... Did you did you just flat out not like this game, or what? What do no, you think about I, it? I didn't flat out not like this game. I thought this game this game has a lot of admirable qualities. I actually like this game more than Ultima Ultima Five. Uh, I think that it was easier for me to understand once I understood what was going on than I could understand it. Ultima Five, I understood yeah. what was going on, but I still didn't understand it because I didn't read the eighteen volumes of lore that's required to get into that series. Um, right, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is an easy, more approachable, more friendly game than Ultima, despite the fact that Ultima, I'm sure, is well, I don't know, I would say it's deeper, but I mean, there's a we know there's an incredibly deep, deep plot in Ultima. Right. You know that that particular Ultima, but this one, this one does seem more approachable. It's certainly the it's more colorful and and you know. So there's that going. It definitely, it. It yeah, it looks better. way better because Ultima, you know, Ultima yeah. Five was still that EGA type type thing. Um, the I I think my main problem with this game is just the layout of they should have made the Shire smaller and, and just gotten rid of all the empty space there. They they could have condensed things and made it easier to navigate around town and find out what you need to be doing. Um, you know, having the docks definitely helps. And again, this yeah. is this is really more. It's more of a PC role playing game trope, though, to have stuff laid out in a more realistic fashion rather than to just have like stuff be more apparent. Um, so I can't really fault the game for that. It's just not to my liking. Um, yeah, this is that's the way they used to do it yeah. back in the day, though. It was just, just me- that was part of the selling point of the game, right? You know, so explore a world of eight million metric miles yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not metric miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's metric miles. That's sort of a contradiction in terms. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I would probably I would say that this is um, this is a game that I would come back to, and I would not say that about Ultima. Really? Yeah, I would come back to this if I. In, in one of these alternate universes where it's like I can freeze time so I don't feel like I'm wasting my time playing this game, uh, I would yeah. go back and I, I, I could see myself sort of exploring and talking to all the people. I do wish that the dialogue was better. I wish that the characters would just tell you what they needed. Like, you shouldn't need to ferret out what you need to know from everybody. You should just roll up to them. They tell you something and you say, okay, and you either write it down or whatever and you move on. It just makes a slow game slower. Yeah. Doing that, I mean, like I said, I, as much as I think the text parse is amusing, I agree. I'd rather just have the old, the old tree right. to uh, help you out. But yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, uh, I if I had the the game disc for this, I might write over him too. At this point, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go back. This is this is a slow kind of game, and it this game, but God only knows how many man hours it would take to uh, sit down and go through it. I mean. I like I said, I, it's playable to me, and this is not necessarily my sort of game. So I mean, I could I played it, I understood it, I I could uh, the party system. Hey, in terms of party uh, management, so this is a bad, but you know, for a game of this no, age, no, I, not at all. I, I thought that was cool, uh, but it's not one I would necessarily want to go back to uh, personally. Uh, now uh, it's funny, I was reading the wiki for this boat, and I would I made sure to write this down so I mention it. Uh, there's there was a bunch of people that actually reverse engineered this the game engine for this, and in 2009 they created a substitute version of this that you could that they ported to modern platforms. So if you really want to play this, they've apparently got according to Wiki they've got versions of this for Windows, uh, for Linux, and Open Pandora, which 
the Pandora. We talked about the other day. It's a very short-lived open source handheld. Oh, okay. So kind of neat. Now, you're probably asking yourself, where the heck's uh, Lord of the Rings Volume 2? If I, if I beat this game, where's that game at? Well, uh, you better have yourself a, uh, a DOS machine, a PC-98, or an FM Towns, because <laughs> that's the only place you're going to play the second one. It, it came out in 92, uh, and it was called Lord of the Rings Volume 2, The Two Towers. And, duh. and as far as I could tell, that was it. So it looks like the uh, they never they never put out the third one. Uh, so if you have an FM Towns, and actually, boat I should mention that uh, the uh, Coin Ops does have FM Town support for your if you want to go and ferret that one out. I'm sure you can go n- have a number couple. one on the list. <laughs> there you go. So, but overall, yeah, it was okay. That's about as good as I could give it. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of scores from people from reputable publications, uh, the Lemon folk, the you know the Lemon. You, I know you love the Lemon folk. They didn't. They weren't super keen on this one. Six point five three. Very low score That's, from Lemon. That, yeah, it is. Amiga Action uh, as of January ninety two seventy five percent. Amiga four bet seventy two. Amiga Magazine gave this bad boy five and a half out of ten. That's a fail. Amiga Power gave it a sixty three. Uh, CU Amiga gave it a ninety. And zero twenty seven gives a seventy four. Oh, so what is you it, know it, what does that tell you? Well, it tells you that they did a horrible job of explaining what you're actually supposed to be doing in this game. Because if they would if they would have made their case from the beginning and just say, hey, you're living in the Shire, do what you want, talk to people, uncover secrets, you know. Maybe this should have taken place before they found out about the ring. Right. That, then you would have more reason to go look exactly turn like man. That's exactly right. It's like the first part of the game, the prologue. You know, you're doing different things. The lead up to right, the party. Right, exactly. Man, you should be a game we developer. Just saw it. Hey, right there. Yeah. Read it. <laughs> now, I will say, Boatster, I read some of these reviews because I thought to myself, man, this game's getting killed. Killed. Well, a lot of these reviews said exactly what I did. And what they said was, we think this is a decent game, but it's so slow to start off that most people are going to give up before they get to the part where it gets interesting or becomes more like the book. Right. Bam. There you go. Enough said. Um, so it wasn't just us, Bo. Did we get any Discord action Jackson on this? Nada. What's that tell you? Yeah. What does that tell you right there? Because remember how many we had last week? That tells you that people didn't feel like jumping into the deep deep end on this That's one. That's right. Uh, I looked this up on the eBay. Uh, this thing's going uh, between 30 and 50 bucks uh, boxed. Some a little higher, some a little lower. It was it? It was uh, floating around there, but uh, it's going for some decent wad. One would assume that's a lot of uh, people that just like the uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the price is so high. But uh, plus, uh, apparently the maps and stuff in this are sort of tough to come by. So if uh, uh, if you've got the box set with the maps and all the and the instruction book and the quick reference card, hold on to it, brother. Hold on to it. Hold it close, and you can use that to play the game. And you could actually probably have a pretty good time with this. If you get the box version, just has the discs in it, you're boned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Aaron, and, uh, I do want to thank Brutal Barracuda, uh, the Amigos Game Selection Committee member, for suggesting that we play Lord of the Rings, and of course the whole AGSC for voting on it. So it was it was just Brutal's baby. Absolutely. Wasn't it? Now, see, Brutal. If you ever watch Brutal's channel, he get, he's a deep end sort of gamer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that doesn't surprise me at all. I bet he jumped all over this back in the day. I'm going to ask him about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, before we close things up, 
Uh, I want to thank all the fine folks that have joined us in Twitch uh, today. Uh, who We can join the recording live on Fridays around 3 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. Macintosh Librarian is here. Pixels at Dawn Gaming, L. Curtis B. Bits O. Yama, Picard 2010, Hermski, Edvin Helen Rushi, MSX Zorglub 45 is here. Paul Kitching. Thank you guys so much. And of course, Hat Chad in the house. Uh, thank you guys for uh, being with us today. We also want to thank all the folks that subscribe to us on Twitch. Uh, still adolescing, Spy Hunter UK 2016, Frodo NL, Retro Jerry, Creepy Dead Boy, Judge Dave, Mitsuyama, Old B, Sturgeon, Christian Russell, Wing Chun Wolf, Macintosh Librarian, Go To, Go Sub, Buck Owens, The Slow Norse, uh, the Devil Bunny, that guy, Johnny Renegade, Rushi MSX, and I am Dan Forth. Aaron, last week we had a very successful Patreon song. Um, it was quite a treat, but an audible and visual delight. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Cheap Tricks, Surrender. Uh, the, the, I, I read some things that called it the ultimate 70s teenage anthem. And I, I, I think I agree with that. It's a pretty good song. I've been referred to as a cheap trick now and again. I thought people referred to you as the ultimate teenage anthem. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, we want to thank all of the people that wrote in with the correct answer. And we want to congratulate them right now. Edvin, Helen, first out of the gate with that one. Terry Hatfield, Paul Kitching, Eric Nelson, Tenmark. And Tenmark writes and he says... Hey, John, Bunny Carlos is my uncle. Bunny Carlos is the drummer for Cheap Trick. Oh, Ten Mark's uncle. He was my favorite member. He was the big tubby, That's right. Like uh, guy that dressed like Elvis he, in the one He video. looked he like you. Yeah. Yeah, man. We Us chubby drummers that stick together. So, uh, I can't drum. Yeah, pretty awesome. That that's, uh, that's Doug's uncle. That's, that is great. Yeah. Uh, we also want to welcome a new uh, supporter, Joel Fuchs. Welcome, Joel. Uh, I did not get you in the Patreon song this week because uh, I uh, recorded it ahead of time, but you'll be in there next time, man. Next week will be the first Joel. That's right. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's talk about Patreon Song Challenge, Aaron. If you know this song, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and uh, I will read your name live on the air as a, as a winner. So here we go. Here we go. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's go. Luke Hudson, John Cook, Rich Drury, Roshi, Frodo in Hell, Soul Incisor, Tech Mage, Zebedee's Magic Roundabout, Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorglub, Commodore Kid, Bjorg Ben Goodson, Sun Reflection, Simon Lynch, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes, and Caffeine. Mike W. Gary has a free lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobsterminator, Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, Retro Man Cave, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Rob O'Hara, Matthew Lara, Moore, Andy Craig, Sean Sobarkbit, 
Roland Burke, Andrew Monk, Show the Zombie, Leaf Killand, Alan Kebab, Chekote, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgard Mortensen, Edwin Helen Blender 75 Christopher Hassel Ravi Abbott Chris Foles Dreamcatcher Lauren Giroux Graham Feb Key Adam Battersby O'Brien's Retro and Vintage Gary Huckasy Brian Jones Paul Harrington Duncan Styles Tapes from the Crypt Josh Nan Adam Bradley Rule Jonas Rulo THC Eric Nelson Kim Tommy Humbuchstein Daniel Binston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warren's Pixels of Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. <laughs> what the, I love the loving, the glance at the end. <laughs> the glance of self-satisfaction you get to share with yourself. That's right, that's right. So Horrible. Again, if you know the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge, john at amigospodcast.com. Aaron, next week, we're going to take a look. It's time to hit the lanes. You know, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Venture Lanes, that was the one in South Charleston, right? I believe so. They yeah. close. They're all boarded up. They close down. That sucks, yeah. dude. That's horrible. So, Although I, I was more of a Nitro guy, but yeah, whatever that was. Town called. and Country is Nitro, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that one's over by the Moose. That one's still open. They still get some yeah. action. I used to go to TV tapings over there when Rich's dad would bowl on the Channel 3's bowling show. Oh, he used man. To bowl on that thing. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's where I played most of my arcade games, was at the bowling alley. Yeah, think about live studio bowling. When are you going to see that again? Never. That's never going to happen. <laughs> well, next week we're going to take the Amiga lanes out for a spin. We're going to play Strikes and Spares. Okay, man. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, been a long time since we did a bowling show. So, <laughs> thanks. Have we ever done one? Uh <laughs> You know, that's a good question. I think that we have. <laughs> Didn't we do, like, monkey bowling or something?